Welcome to the Bible Rundown, Pastors Rob and David. Day 114, Rob. We're in 2 Samuel 19 through 20 and Luke 18. So, sad scene. Absalom is dead. David is grieving very strongly over his son's death, so much so to the extent that the people, Rob, are basically in mourning as well. Um, even though they've had this great victory and the way they see it is there should be rejoicing because the kingdom has been restored to David. And then David gets this strong rebuke from Joab. So what are we to make of what's going on in chapter 19? Yeah, I love verse eight. Then the king arose and took his seat in the gate and the people were all told, behold, the king is sitting in the gate and the people came before the king. And, um, I just I just love that it's it's the heart of David that that he returns to the people after he has failed to lead them well. Mm-hmm. And again, um, when we when we fail in our lives, which we will, mm-hmm. we get lazy in our lives, which we will. It's good to be reminded that we turn from that and we do what the Lord's called us to do. And that's what he does. Joab is an interesting character. We've talked about this. And, um, you know, Joab probably has um, probably has has some some truth here. I mean, there's some truth in what he says to the king is, look, you are mourning the son of Absalom, but all these guys have laid their life down for you. They've lost their family members for you. And yeah. you're sitting here mourning your enemy as you did Saul. And this is this is a result of David's sin. Remember, the sword shall not pass from his house because of what? Because he he um you know he had killed Uriah the Hittite. This the the concubines are given to Absalom as a result of the the affair with Bathsheba. So all these things are coming about, right? As judgment of God is coming about in his own life and he's receiving those judgments with grace and and learning from his mistakes here. Yeah. And I guess the thing I wrestle with with Joab is, um, you know, you and I were kind of talking about it, but, you know, his word and, and just kind of his model of getting revenge mm. on the enemies of the king is is really going to fly in the face of what we see the king of kings Jesus himself teach us his disciples his principle of the kingdom which is mm-hmm. to bless those who curse you and pray for those who persecute you right mm-hmm. and so there is this tension going here and i agree with you i think um there's probably application on both sides and and i think if maybe this is a stretch, but, you know, in application, I think it's okay to feel that tension of grieving over the sins of those who are lost and refuse to come uh, when they hear the gospel message and repent of their sin. I think it's okay for us to wrestle with that and, and feel remorse over their decision. But I think also there's this element that Joab has that our greatest joy is not 
found just in in the fact that uh, sinners are saved. It's ultimately in the fact that the king is on his throne and he reigns, right? And wickedness is put down and righteousness is exalted. And so even those tensions that we'll see in the New Testament uh, and for us as believers that we struggle with in a communicating, like we said yesterday, the message of the gospel is kind of bittersweet. You know, we can experience both sides of those as well in our own power. Yeah, and and this story in 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 nineteen is very interesting with Zeba and Mephibosheth, uh, the lame son of Saul. It seems as if uh, at least Mephibosheth says that Zeba actually deceived him mm. um, and slandered your servant. And, uh, but then he says, do whatever you want, you know, in your house. And David's like, listen, you're just going to split the land, you and Ziba, you're going to split, split it. You guys are, are, are too much for me right now. I've got a, I've got a lot to deal with. You're going to split the land. You guys work it out. (laughs) I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. And uh, it's interesting because you never really get to a conclusion of who was right, who was wrong in that whole manner. And, yeah. and, and, poss- and quite possibly, you have a lame, you know, servant of the king, Mephibosheth. You have a servant who's trying to figure out how to serve the king. It's a very stressful time of trying to exit the city. And quite possibly, you know, one is saying one thing, one saying another thing, and quite possibly it could just be a lack of communication and they both are just wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very hard circumstance and they don't know how to handle it. Sometimes that's the way we are in, in the, in, in the, within the church. Sometimes it's a very hard circumstance. You don't know how to handle it. And you just are like, guys, we just need to move on. It, <laughs> there's no right answer here. We need to move on. And that's kind of how David handles that. I don't know your thoughts. No, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I just kind of wrote down in my own notes as I was kind of thinking through this, um, how is David reconciling the kingdom? He's doing it through pardons, right? So we talked about uh, these people that were cursing him on his way out of Jerusalem. He ultimately forgives and restores them into his I guess we could call it a new kingdom, but at least it's a restored kingdom, right? And yeah, man, just a, a beautiful pointing forward to the gospel that we are reconciled to God through pardon of our sin given to us, not on our own merits, but on the one who has chosen to forgive us despite yeah. our sin. So I love that. But yeah, um, Shumai, the guy that's mocking him, you're, you're yeah. exactly right. He's pardoning him as well and all of these wrongs are and, and made right and then you have this man Barzillai who's an old man who's who's David's like hey let me reward you and he's like dude I'm old here take this dude who's young and and show him the the same you know yeah uh, type of a blessing that I would receive I, I think that's a really cool thing I, I really do Barzillai I don't know anybody named Barzillai, but this would be a good name to name your child because he shows not only kindness and giving, but then he shows 
it's not about me. I'm, I'm older. I need to pass the torch. Let's, let's use this guy as receiving the blessing that I am due onto someone else. I think it's a big deal. Amen. No, that's a good word. And then the last thing is we kind of close out 19 that I noticed is, um, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but you see these attitudes kind of reflected in Israel and Judah in verses 41 through the end of chapter 19. And the way I kind of am thinking through it is the men of Israel kind of come across as entitled, right? They're looking at the king and, uh, and kind of thinking of just the position that they deserve as relatives, right? Blood kin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, or I may have that backwards, but then the men of Judah kind of view it more as like a, a selfless or repentant approach in how they come to the king. Um, but anything that you see there in the contrast of Israel and Judah that we're, we see you're playing out in the gospels in terms of kind of the religious establishment with Jesus and those who are considered outside and actually receive the Messiah the way he's supposed to be received. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I, I, I would say that this also points to a broken kingdom, which will happen, you know, after Solomon, but the kingdom will break down in the 10 tribes and Judah. And so Judah will separate from the 10 and you also, you start to see this tension here already. But I think that's, that's an interesting point. I've, I've never thought about the, uh, the reception of the king from certain aspects of the receiving. But so, you know, if you're listening to this, how will you receive the king? Right? How yeah. do you receive the king? Yeah. Do you lay the red carpet down? Do you want to serve him? Or are you just kind of just out there, you know, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. your own thing? Amen. Well, and then the rebellion of Sheba, um, just another account where the sword is not departing from the house of David. And uh, <laughs> there's these descriptions of these Old Testament guys, right? They're not kind, but a worthless man whose name was Sheba, a Benjamite, um, basically sowing dissension in this new um, reconciled kingdom. And so who's going to go out and pursue? Joab and Abishai. And so uh, they go and really a violent scene, right? They come up to the city um, where Sheba is is taking refuge and are basically ready to just dismantle the city, right? I mean, take over it, uh, Beth Makkah, uh, but they they give up this guy Sheba and uh, throw his head over the over the side right and uh, and this is too maybe being in but what what's the connection for us? Do you, you have the pictures here right? Like you've seen the pictures all the way through and you have woman and you have head right? Remember the little the little woman who drives the the peg through the pagan king's head right? receiving glory in the judges. <clears throat> now you have women in the city who cut off the head of Sheba, the, uh, the, the head of the serpent, the kingdom of Satan here, if you will, and throwing his head over the, 
the thing. But Joab is wicked too. I mean, this is this is this is wild in Amasa as he like tricks Amasa into he's coming in for the kiss and and just takes his guts out. So I mean, it's kind of graphic, right? Like, are we supposed to even talk about this? I mean, it's in the Bible here, but it's 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 terrible. It's it's ruthless. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, no, I mean, I reading that description just made me think back to Cain and Abel. Like, I don't know about you, but it's just one of those things like for as close as Joab is to the king who is supposed mm-hmm. to represent Christ, we see like this temptation to sin is all over the kingdom of David. So he is not the promised king that's going to be the final deliverer for God's people. Right. He's he's surrounds himself with awful company, man, a lot. But hey, we got to get to Luke 18. Yeah, we got to move, man. Such, I think this is my favorite story in the New Testament. Let me tell you why. Luke 18, the parable of the the tax collector and the Pharisee. And you have um, this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Mm. And you have this tax collector who is the chief sinner of sinners. Mm -hmm. And you have this Pharisee and this Pharisee is, is, is going to the Lord in prayer and saying, look at me. Thank, thank the Lord. I'm not like them, these tax collectors. And he's telling what he does. I fast and I give tithes. But this tax collector who stands far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, you know, I mean, right? Like, we should realize that when we humble ourselves by saying that we are a sinner in the kingdom of God, God receives that much more than if we say we are doing great and we're righteous. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's good. And the thing that jumped out to me in Luke 18 is the, the healing of the blind beggar. And I'm going to give kudos to you, Rob, because you're kind of showing me a, a fresh way of, of reading these gospel miracle accounts as you're teaching through Mark. Um, so here's what I was kind of seeing in it. The culmination of De- Jesus's teachings in this chapter, the pinnacle is seen coming all together in this one healing of the blind beggar. Mm-hmm. So here's what I see. First of all, the persistent widow that he describes in verses one through eight right? This idea of like faith and persistence that the blind beggar is just crying out and is persistent even when the people around him tell him to, <laughs> to, to shut up, right? Yeah. Um, two, it's the recognition of our need for God's mercy through humility, which is what uh, you were just talking about with the Pharisee and the tax collector in 9 through 14, right? He, he cries out, have mercy on me, son of David. Number three, right. Don't hinder the kingdom for those who humbly come, verses 15 through 17, when he's talking about the little children and these people that are rebuking the blind man for 
coming to Jesus and crying out for mercy, they're hindering him. Number Mm -hmm. four, give it all to Christ and his kingdom, uh, verses 18 through 30. Uh, I just, man, you you see all these connections with the rich ruler, right? And here's this Mm -hmm. blind man that is just his faith. He's giving, he's putting it all on Christ for his healing. And then finally, the things that are hidden, right? What we are blinded to are revealed. And so our spiritual blindness is only overcome by God, which is what this healing is really pointing us to, right? So I think like, I could be overstepping there, but I feel like the way you've kind of been teaching us to look at these um, healings in the context of how the gospel writers do them, I just saw these these connections culminating with that one healing of what Jesus was just doing is demonstrated in the life of this blind beggar. Uh, who yeah. I love that. And at the end where he reveals the sight, he actually foretells. So right, right before this passage, he foretells his death. And so he's revealing to them. He's helping them open their eyes to the gospel. They will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That then, then, then he heals the blind man. He's like, "This is this is you. This is you. You don't understand. But I'm trying to reveal this to you so that you can see. But one day you will see. I will open your eyes to see. But right now you can't see nothing. So it's it's such such good stuff, man." Great. That was tremendous. That's tremendous. If you listened all the way through this Bible rundown, you might even get a popsicle or something at the end of of the day. We'll, we'll, We'll send you a popsicle in the mail or something, right? So thanks for listening to the Bible rundown. We'll see you tomorrow.